Outliers in Education is brought to you by CEE, the Center for Educational Effectiveness. Better data, better decisions, better schools. To find out more, visit effectiveness.org. You know, the outlier study that inspires this podcast, it's all about identifying the specific traits and practices that make some schools more awesome than others. Well, today we're going to visit a few key stops along the road to awesome on this episode of Outliers in Education. That's what we're all about in letting our kids be successful. If you want to achieve something, then surround yourself with the people you want to become. Because kids are kids in small districts, rural districts, urban, kids are kids. Welcome back to another episode of Outliers in Education. Today, we are talking to Dr. Darren Peppard. And, you know, it seems like trust and culture, they just keep coming up when we talk about these systems that are excellent. Bowles, I think we got another one today. What do you think? Couldn't agree more, EP. And when I look at uh, uh, vetting a, a potential guest, so I was all over the Road to Awesome website. First thing I noticed was, boy, it's focusing on culture, trust, and reciprocal accountability. And all of that has everything to do with what we saw inside of our outlier study. So absolutely excited to be getting into that today, EP. Yeah. So Darren is with us with 25 years in education. He's a recovering high school principal and all of us with uh, some secondary education experience and leadership knows what he's talking about. He's lead innovator for RoadToAwesome.net. He's an author, publisher, speaker, and consultant. He's empowering adults and students alike with culture-first leadership style. Uh, If you want to see some more, look at his website, RoadToAwesome.net. He's got some uh, podcasts and blogs and some books that are on there, too, that are amazing. Uh, Darren, welcome to the show. Well, thank you so very much, Eric and Eric. It's uh, it's an honor to be here. I'm really looking forward to this conversation with you guys. Well, we've got the Road to Awesome, and it sounds awesome. So what is it? You know, here's the thing about Road to Awesome. Um, It started real innocently. When I took my first role in secondary education as a leader, uh, I was an assistant principal in charge of discipline and attendance at a a fairly decent-sized high school, not a huge high school, but a good-sized high school in my home state of Wyoming. Which is pure joy, right, Darren, being being in charge of just... Oh, my gosh. Thank you for that, Eric, because, yeah, there's (laughs) nothing... There's nothing that deserves more sympathy than the guy at the high school level in charge of discipline and attendance. <laughs> um, you know, it's a great entry level position and you get out of it as quick as you can. But <laughs> what I learned in that role, what I learned in that role was that it, it's still all about relationships. You know, that's not what I thought, though. When I first got into the role, you know, you come out of you come out of getting your master's degree and, you know, they, they teach you, you know, as you're going through getting your master's degree to prepare to be a principal that you need to be a servant leader. And like, you just get hit over the head with be a servant leader, be a servant leader. And I believe in servant leadership. I'm not bagging on it, but it took me down this road where as soon as I took this position, it was, it was in a different school than where I had taught. Um, I, I sat down with a bunch of teachers and I'm like, Hey, you know, tell me what I can do to serve you in this role. And it was things like, Hey, um, just make them sit down and shut up. Um, you know, just, you know, remind them that, Remind them that I have the big chair and they have the little chair and they should never forget it. And, you know, just some crazy stuff because what I didn't know going into the school and I love this school, I'll always love this school. But our culture was like super toxic. Mm. We were all about catching people doing things wrong. And I'm telling you, fellas, we were good at it. And I Mm. fell right into that. I mean, Mm. You know, I, I wasn't, I don't think I was like that as a teacher. I mean, I, 
I was a little bit crazy as a coach. I mean, you know, I was convinced the referees were always out to get my kids, but, but, but the truth of it was, I don't think I was like that, but I was like hook, line and sinker. I mean, I knew where to hide to catch kids, you know, skip a class. And I knew how to search kids that might have tobacco on them. I mean, it's a disturbing story. So just, just making the, making the move from teaching to leadership, Darren, that's kind of where that flip happened. It is. It is. And we're, we're in this staff meeting early in my first year, again, discipline and attendance. And we're, we're trying to solve the two most important, you know, issues in education. You know, what do you do about hats? What do you do about cell phones? That's that, that staff meeting. <laughs> that staff meeting. Yeah, I've been there. And mercifully, somebody partway through that staff meeting raised their hand and said, Darren, why does it always got to be about what they do wrong? Why can't it be about what they do right? And mm-hmm. that was the moment that the road Dawson was created. And I didn't know it in that moment. But for me, that was kind of that moment where going a little Robert Frost on you, where two roads diverged for me. And I could stay on the path of let's catch and do it wrong. You know, that's an easy path. You know, that's the traditional path. Or I could take this this road, not, you know, this road less traveled. What, how many years into your leadership was that? That was my first year. Okay. That was my first year. We're halfway, halfway through that first school year. And it's like, okay, let's 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 re reframe uh, ed Milet calls it the reticular activating system you know so what are you looking for because whatever you're looking for you're going to find we were looking for all the things people were doing wrong let's mm-hmm. start reframing it to look for the things that people are doing right and you know fast forward over time that became who i am that became how i led that became what i expected of people around me and if i modeled it they started to do it and you know i, I go back to i know we're going to talk about it in a minute um, some of the, the connections with the outlier study, but for us, we started with attendance. Our attendance was dreadful. And, you know, let's start recognizing, rewarding, and reinforcing good attendance. Instead of punishing the bad, let's let's reinforce the good. And it it just changed us. It changed me as a human being. And and so I, I say all of that to lead into what my real answer is, which is that road to awesome is a philosophy. It's a mindset. It's a way of it's a way about going about your life. I mean, we all, we're all on a path. We're all headed somewhere. Why wouldn't you want to go somewhere awesome? And on the road to awesome, we live by three pillars. And number one, um, we let go of the things that we can't control and we focus on what we can. You know, I could riff on that for an hour, but I won't. Number two, we rise by lifting others. We're, we're not on the road to awesome that being that person that's going to step on others and keep other people down or make it make us think that that makes us better because you know, we can punish this person. I worked for a superintendent who was all about punishment to gain compliance. And I had to stop. I had to walk away and say, I'm going to go somewhere else because I can't do this. Um, And then number three, and and this is why podcasts are so powerful. We change the world one conversation at a time. Mm -hmm. Every single conversation we have has the opportunity to change somebody's world. Mm -hmm. And as a high school principal, this is why I'm a recovering high school principal. Those were the most powerful moments for me. Sitting in a hallway, sitting on a bench, talking to a kid, mm. talking to a parent, talking to one of my staff members. Every conversation we have has the opportunity to change the world. And that is what the road to awesome is. We're going to take a short break and we'll be right back with more awesomeness from Darren Pepper. School districts across the country are turning their focus to social emotional learning like never before. But who has the time? Now you do, thanks to the Whole Educator Series, an online SEL training that you take at your own pace. Six modules packed with proven strategies that will make a difference right away. 
The training was awesome. The content was amazing. This workshop is going to make you a better educator. Taught by SEL expert Dr. Greg Benner, the whole educator series delivers strategies to ease the stress on you while bringing out the best in your students. These strategies, they work. You'll be amazed at the results, not only with the youth you serve, but also in your own life. He's telling us strategies that we can implement tomorrow. Absolutely a home run. Professional development at the speed of life. Check out the whole Educator Series online SEL training. Available now from CEE at effectiveness.org slash workshops. That's effectiveness.org slash workshops. And we're back. Darren, uh, so much to unpack there. One of the things that strikes me every single time we have a guest on who talks about basically leading this way is, you know, when we go to principal school, we, we learn all about the structural things that we need to do. We learn how to implement curriculum, monitor teaching and learning, you know, all this stuff. We don't learn anything about what it means to flip a toxic culture. And you talk about, you know, one of the things that you did more than one time in your career and great parallels to Doug Kaplicki's podcast, uh, by the way, earlier episode, Outlier in education. He's a master at flipping toxic culture. What does that look like? What, what, what moves do you take? And talk to us a little bit about what that looks like, both from a school leader's perspective, and then how do you do that as a consultant? Yeah, for sure. So I think, I think when you talk about flipping culture, here's the reality. Everything that we do comes back to this. We are in the people business, and we can't forget that. And so we have to remember that we work with people. You don't change culture by you know implementing programs or anything like that you you flip culture first and foremost by building relationships you know when when you're able to build trust uh you, you guys talk about reciprocal accountability for me it was always just like you know hey this is we really need to have shared accountability around who we are and what we're all about uh, i i think about you know my time at that high school and my, my time at, at, at the district level as a superintendent we had different needs in both in both spaces but we had a culture that, you know, in one place that was toxic and another that was complacency. Um, what it really came down to was you start with having those conversations with individuals around, you know, what is it that we do here? What are our traditions? What are the things that are important to us? And when I, you mentioned, Eric, you know, what do I do when, when I'm consulting? It starts with the same questions I ask myself as a, as a building assistant principal, then as a principal, and the same thing as a superintendent. And that is, what do we really value here? What's really important to us? It's a different answer for every school, and that's perfectly fine. In fact, mm -hmm. that's a good thing. But if we're not clear about what really matters to us, you know, I mean, sometimes sometimes in principal school, as you said, Bowles, it's, you know, the you know, as we're being taught, it's, you know, the hill you're going to die on. What are those things that truly matter to you? You know, when, when I work with with principals, when I work with superintendents, that's one of the first things I ask them is, you know, what really matters to you? And then I tell them, now I'm going to go ask your staff and I'm going to ask your, 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 your students and I'm going to ask your parents, am I going to hear something similar? Or am I going to hear something completely different? You know, when it comes to flipping culture, you've got to have that um, that synchronicity, if you will, where everybody is on the same page as far as you know, who are we and where are we going? What are we trying to accomplish? And not to bash on data because data is so crucial and it informs us all the way through the process. But we can't be about test scores. We can't be about grad rates. We can't be about 
attendance. We have to be about things that connect to the human being because that's our job, right? I mean, you start the year in August or September, and in nine months, your job is to make a little person a little bit better person. And maybe you do that through math or you do it through chemistry, you do it through the miracle of third grade. I mean, my God, our third grade teachers are absolute miracle workers. <laughs> but the bottom line is, you know, we grow human beings. So when, when you're flipping culture, you focus on the human being first and developing, you know, this, this feel, this um, culture is the only word I can come up with for yeah. this, but this culture where everybody feels like they're part of something special, where they're, where they feel like they're heard and they're seen and they're loved. And that, that's when culture starts to change. It's, it's not about putting in this program or that program or anything like that. So, so Darren, why is it? In fact, I was just talking with a leader earlier this week and I found, I found our conversation moving to the structure and procedures piece. Um, in not taking care of culture. Why is it that we just keep getting drawn to this structure and process piece? I think first and foremost, because it's never on the job description. I don't think anybody actually sees that as the principal's role or the AP's role or the superintendent's role or whatever. It's, it's kind of this underlying base element that allows you to build everything else. And so many people, I think, get caught up in you know, where are we academic performance in language arts? Where are we academic performance in mathematics? Where are we in terms of our grad rates? And again, all of that stuff is really, really important, but those are outcomes. Yeah. yeah. We we tend we tend to focus on the end of the road. We forget yeah. about what is it that gets us where we are. So we just we just skip that step. We skip that step in that change process. Well, yeah, right. we do. That's really resonating with me, what you said there, because we, we love uh, Chuck Selene and Suzanne Gertz's Powerless to Powerful framework. And in that framework, they talk about the data sets that you use to manage change are first demographic, second perceptual, third contextual, which is tweaking the systems inside of the school when you deeply understand those first two data sets. And then ultimately, uh, outcomes are our student achievement. Student achievement data is an outcome. I think we've been brainwashed. I was a principal prior to No Child Left Behind. And I think we were all taught outcome, 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 smart goal, smart goal, smart goal. And boy, it gets real easy to get caught up in that cycle, yet nothing changes. So talk about talk about what makes that change. Good schools get outcomes not because of focusing on academic achievement. Right. Well, I mean, and, and I'll add one more, you know, bulls to your, to your argument there, too. You know, we've all been, you know, just absolutely eh, run over is probably not the right way to say it, but but we've been heavily dosed with the DeFore PLC model. You know, if, you know, if we just answer these four questions, then everything else will solve itself. And I mean, Rick DeFore, you know, a brilliant, brilliant, brilliant human being who brought us some unbelievable, unbelievable work. But I would, I would bet if we had, you know, I mean, obviously, you know, Rick is no longer with us. And so we can't ask him this question, but if, but if anybody ever had the opportunity to ask him about, the work he did at Adlai Stevenson, I guarantee it started with the human beings. Uh -huh. Yes, they mm -hmm. worked in teams and yes, they focused on the four, you know, those four questions. But the outcomes, th those were very much almost more autopsy than they were checkup. Mm -hmm. You know, it's those right. those human relationships are the checkup pieces. You know, yes, we we do need to focus on the outcomes, but if all we think about is the outcomes, we miss that step in between, which is 
how do we collectively as a group of human beings service the human beings that we have and you know help each kid and meet each kid where they are so that we can get them where they where they need to be so yeah, the key, the key, I think I don't know if I'm answering your question. I, I just I think I, you are. You said that I want to jump right into four. I really did. Yeah. Well, I think the key outcome of a PLC is we bring four functional members to the table. Right. Yeah. We're never going to get positive student formative assessment data if we've got the four of us can't can't agree on how to even function inside of analyzing that work. So I, I think that I I mean, gosh, that should be question number one is how functional are the adults. Then we can get into the other stuff. Yeah, because I think we find with the DeFore model, and again, not bagging on it at all, I think it's a great structure, right? But but I think one of the things that I consistently see, not only in my experience as a leader or at, at the district, um, is that culture piece within those small groups. That That's where I think things go south. I, I don't know if you see that, Darren, in, in some of your travels. You know, yeah, absolutely. And I think to an extent, that's where, where Dr. Anthony Muhammad plugged into that group and into that work so, so well, because that was his big focus and, and still is to this day. Um, if you miss the culture piece, answering the four questions it is just like anything else. You know, um, I, I like to say it's it, it's in my book somewhere um, that, you know, no matter what level of, of investment we have in curriculum, in initiatives, in programs, whatever you want to label them, You'll never get the maximum benefit from those if you don't have a culture that is prepared for that type of work, that sees the benefit in that type of work, and has adults who are a part of it who feel like they're part of something special and can impact the system through the work they do. So the DeFore model is brilliant, it, but adding Anthony Muhammad to it is what makes it, is what made it sing. Yeah, and I, and I think, but I think I, a lot of people I, forget that. I think they yes. overlook it. Yeah, and I, I wish that that was the the gospel that's shared with young administrators when they're going through some of their prep work. So, Darren, moving a little bit uh, in a different direction, uh, you decided to leave public education, much like Bowles and myself, uh, you know, before our uh, official retirement cake was cut. Um, do you feel Do you feel like you have a, a bigger impact now, or do you feel like you had a bigger impact from within the system? You know, that's interesting. Uh, number one, I guess I don't really feel like I left public ed. You know, no, I don't work in a specific district. I'm not, you know, in an office while other than my own personal home office here, um, you know, at RTA. But um, yes, I do. I feel like I I much more have uh, a bigger impact in what I do now than what I did before. And and, and here's why. I mean, it, it, it kind of goes back to this this train of thought that I have had through my leadership career. And a big part of it was early on, at least, I thought I had to chase the next job. So mm -hmm. assistant principal in charge of discipline and attendance, oh, what's the next opportunity? Well, mm -hmm. the next opportunity came as assistant principal in charge of curriculum and instruction. So if it happened in the classroom and it wasn't discipline, it was mine. And that was a great role for me. I learned so much, was able to lead the implementation of two nationally recognized career academies. I mean, just some great work. But then it was, okay, what's next? Yeah. And that became the principalship. And from yeah. the principalship, what's next? And that became the superintendent role. Yeah. But I found along the way, and, and this is, I think, why coaching leaders to me is so important. When I first stepped from assistant principal to principal, it was a 40-foot 
move down the hallway from one office to the other. But guys, it might as well have been 400 miles. <laughs> the difference between being an AP and a principal yeah. is, you guys know, yeah, you can't compare the two roles. And I spent an entire year in a building. I was already the instructional leader. Uh, the, the way it was set up with my predecessor, my, my curriculum instruction role, I was the instructional leader. Mm. But now here I am in the principal role, and I spent an entire year breathing through a snorkel because <laughs> I didn't know how to be the principal. I mean, I was still the instructional leader because my, my superintendent said, Darren, I need you to be the instructional leader. Well, I already was. Okay, what does that mean? And I, I spent this entire year breathing through a snorkel. I couldn't get my head above water. Um, and I, I mean, I think this is an area a lot of young, young leaders struggle is, you know, how, how do I how do I allow leadership to happen that doesn't just come from me? Mm -hmm. um, working with other leaders now, I have the opportunity to share that experience. I have the opportunity to help lift them up. And I learned in that moment, well, a year later, when when uh, a leadership coach was hired for me, that as a leader, we have to really focus on being a leader and not being a firefighter. So mm -hmm. now, when I work with other leaders, I feel like I can impact them and the other leaders they're growing. I, I learned in that in that moment to start coaching my own assistant principal. So, Darren, for some some of our listeners that don't know the secondary firefighter, what do you mean by you didn't mean to be a firefighter? Well, <laughs> okay. So when when I stepped into my principal role, um, I, I fell into what I call Superman syndrome. You know, yeah. they hired Darren Pepper. Darren Pepper said at the table, but as soon as I moved into the office. I thought I had to be Superman. Yeah. I had to answer everybody's question. I had to know everything. I had to be, I had to be everything for everyone. Mm -hmm. And as a result, I didn't delegate anything to my APs. I, I resented them because I didn't feel like they were doing anything. That was my fault, not theirs. <laughs> um, you know, I mean, that was totally on me. Yeah. Uh, in the moment, I thought it was on them, but it wasn't. It was on me. Um, I just, I, I had to do everything. The first day my coach showed up, this is the perfect, perfect story for being a firefighter. My coach shows up, we meet in the parking lot at 7.30 or whatever. By the time we got to my office, which was, I don't know, 100 yards down the hallway, I had probably 12 teachers stop me. I had like six students stop me. My, my push pin board outside my office was littered. My secretary needed me and I had a group of angry parents in the front hallway. <laughs> I had three assistant principals. My goodness, why couldn't they handle all these things? You know, yeah. it was because I thought I had to do it all. And uh, later in the morning, I had put out pretty much every one of those fires. And my coach, I turned, I turned to my coach and I'm like, hey, you know, we're going to sit down and drink coffee. You know, we're going to shoot the, you know, shoot the breeze and, and talk about, talk about education. And he's nowhere to be found. And my secretary's like, hey, Tom's down in room 318. He said, you better grab a notebook and get down there. And I went down there and Tom's doing walkthroughs. And we step in the hallway finally, you know, and he's like, hey, what'd you see? I'm like, Maybe what did I see? I've been upstairs, you know, doing this and this and this and this and this. What are we doing here? And he's like, Darren, it's time for you to start being a leader and stop being a firefighter. And if you don't leave, you need to be where the action is. You need to be in classroom. That parent thing, give it to an AP. You know, this and this and this and this and this. Give it to an AP. Yeah. You know, you've got to empower your secretary. You've just all of these things that now I can impart that knowledge on to other principles. So that's a very long-winded answer to your question. But yes, I yeah, have a yeah. much greater opportunity to to make an impact than I did 
you know, working with four principals as a superintendent or working with, you know, three or four assistant principals as, as a building principal. Hey, Darren, piggybacking on this, we did our outlier study in what we referred to as the twin pandemics, right? So we have we have the actual pandemic and we have great political polarity and we're studying schools. So, you know, it's an, it's an interesting time and space. Things were tough prior to the pandemic. They're tougher out there right now. Many of our peers uh, just in the last handful of weeks have gone back in to sort of do another year of trial by combat. What you just described in firefighting is, you know, those fires are only burning hotter now. What what message would you have for those APs, those principals, those superintendents who, you know, bless their hearts, are persisting in doing this noble work? I love that. That's such a great question. Um, and, you know, I've been... I've been having a lot of those conversations with folks uh, around the country here in just the last last few weeks. Um, I actually wrote a blog about it here pretty recently. Um, it was just uh, I titled it an open letter to principals. Yeah. And um, the, the number one thing I was trying to get at um, was for principals, superintendents, you know, curriculum directors, whatever, you know, campus and district level leaders, I guess. I want them to remember that they're not alone. And, you know, during the pandemic, that that became, I think, the primary feeling for so many leaders was, you know, man, I'm the only one going through this political unrest and I'm the only one whose board has completely lost their mind. And I'm the only one who is having to make every decision that a public health official should have to make. But I have to make it here as a superintendent. Um, I guess that was just a little peek into my world. Uh, <laughs> But but the things that I really hit in the blog that I think, you know, really are important is that, number one, you've got to take care of yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I know, you know, managing the pandemic, and I love how you call it the twin pandemics. Um, I, I like to say there are two pandemics in the U.S., COVID and blame. So we're, we're pretty <laughs> much on the same point, mm-hmm. on the same page. Um, but uh, you, you got to take care of yourself. You can't neglect your own professional growth. But that's so important. You know, we as as leaders, we want to serve others. Again, back to the servant leadership piece. But we can't serve if our cup is empty. We have to continue to grow. We have to continue to you know get better and get stronger. Um, you got to continue to be where the work is. You know, like I was saying, you know, referencing my coaching story get into the classrooms, get into the schools, you know, as a superintendent, you need to be in your schools. I don't care how big your system is. You need to be in your schools. They need to see your face. Um, you got to spend time uh, with staff when kids aren't around. You know, it, it's, it's great. I wrote a blog about walkthroughs here recently too. That's important stuff. But again, we're in the people business. So go spend some time with your staff when their kids aren't in their room. And, you know, not with much more of an agenda other than, you know, hey, Eric, how you doing, man? Mm-hmm. You know, how are things going? I know, you know, you you were struggling with something with a family member or, you know, hey, I saw you, you know, carrying 400 things in the door this morning when you came in. You know, is there something I could do to help? I mean, just, again, the human to human connection. And maybe the most important thing is, again, remember you're a human being. So smile and laugh. You know, have a little bit of fun. You know, don't be afraid to have a tear fall in front of your staff. I mean, my God, we're all going through hell. Let them know that you're that you're real. Um, I, I think those are the most important things right now. I mean, I guess I could give you tactical things, but that just be a human being and treat others as human beings and let them know you're there for them. Be vulnerable and love them up because that's 
that's the most important thing in your culture anyway. So Darren, getting, and this is a piggyback. Um, I, I remember a soup told me earlier in my career, even before I had my first principalship, he said, pay yourself first, right? So he was talking about, you know, I go out and I work out and I do these things for me. So A, why is that so hard for us as leaders? And then B, you talked about relationship stuff again. Why is that so hard for us again to know, yeah, I can go talk to this uh, principal or this teacher about instruction, but this relationship thing to say, hey, how's it going? Why is that so difficult for us as leaders? I think I think those are great questions right there. Um, I think first and foremost, taking care of ourselves. We we're in the business to serve. We're in the business to help others. And we have this, at least I did. I, and I, I know most are like this. I had this feeling that I needed to take care of others first. It's, it, mm-hmm. it's the opposite of the oxygen mask mm-hmm. thing. You know, right. I wanted to put everybody else's oxygen mask mm-hmm. on. You know, I would work from 6 a.m. or 4 a.m., you know, until, you know, midnight or whatever and neglect putting on my own oxygen mask. And it's easy to, you know, say, okay, I'm going to block, you know, 45 minutes every morning or three times a week to go work out or I'm going to do this after school or whatever the case may be. It's easy to do that when the pressure's not on, but when the pressure is on, I think in our own minds, we just get this, you know, added push to make sure we're taking care of everybody. Again, it's Superman syndrome that Mm -hmm. is so hard to fight through, Mm -hmm. Um, you know, and then why do we struggle with the relationship piece? And I don't know. I think there's so many external pressures around back to the data, back to uh-huh. performance. I'm going to say it, but please don't ask me a follow-up question because you'll never shut me up. <laughs> the learning gap, you know, I mean, <laughs> come on. We learned stuff that year that that so many, we never would have learned. So I don't want to hear the learning gap garbage, you know, but, but all of those pressures and, and now we're back to, oh, we've got to make sure we're performing and school boards have become like the newest political battlegrounds and all of these things that should be tertiary, but aren't, Hmm. you know, they, the things that should be primary get pushed down. And those things that should be tertiary come on down. Do do you, you, Darren, do you think it's, do you think it's just because it's more visible? Like, you know, those data pieces that they're easier to touch and to grab. I mean, is, is that the piece? I don't know that it's a data piece. I think it's, I think it's a conversational piece. Mm. I think it's, you know, as a superintendent, you know, or as a principal, I'm sitting with my superintendent and I'm hearing from my superintendent, no matter how good they are at filtering about pressures from the board. Um, I might, you know, in conversation with a teacher talk about, might be talking about data, but the message is, you know, your students aren't where they need to be, or you need to be doing more. And we, we have so much more on our plates anyway. Mm-hmm. We got a teacher shortage. We've got, I mean, I've been seeing posts and talking with people constantly who, you know, we got smaller class sizes that are, you know, people want. We have less teachers. We have less funding. You guys in your state right now are dealing with a strike in Seattle, for goodness sakes. Mm-hmm. And uh, let's talk about the leaders there just really quick, because I think this ties into the into that answer. Everybody's going to talk about, boy, the teachers need more money. Yeah, they do. Uh, they're going to talk about, boy, smaller class sizes. That's important. Yes, it is. There's research to support it. Hattie's book is loaded with stuff on this. But what gets lost is where does the funding come from to solve these problems? 
-hmm. It's not the district leaders. It's not the building leaders. They're not sitting around rolling around in cash laughing about it like Mm -hmm. some cartoon character. (laughs) It's above them. Those are those additional added pressures that I'm I'm stressing over. How do I fund my district? How do I give my teachers a salary that they can live on because Mm -hmm. inflation's high? And uh, that's a lot of political stuff I don't want to chase. But there's just so many different things. And data, yes, it's a piece of it, but I don't think it's the driver. I think it's just one of the cogs in that wheel that keeps turning. Darren, want to make sure that you get the opportunity to plug uh, Road to Awesome. So think five years out. How do you define success for, uh, for your organization, Road to Awesome? I love this question, and I'm glad you gave me a little bit of time to think about it before, before we hit the record button. I still don't think I have a great answer, but um, you know, when, when we first started, uh, RTA in 2019, it was very small for speaking and consulting. And then, of course, the pandemic hit and that kind of derailed everything. Um, a little over a year ago, uh, we went we went all in. Um, for those who don't know, there are three branches to our business. Uh, the, the, the speaking piece, the motivational piece, speaking piece is one. The leadership coaching is the second. And then the third is our publishing branch. We publish books for educators by educators. Um, my wife runs that half of the business. She is everything creative at RTA is her, um, and, and she does a brilliant job. But as we've been continuing on our road, just for this last year and a half, the speaking piece, we love, we really do. That's going to continue. We want to continue to impact thousands and thousands of people as we go forward. But I think when I think about five years from now, I think about the niche we're really carving out. And that is supporting principles. That is our number one thing. Mm-hmm. You know, as I was listening to, I was listening to a podcast earlier today, and one of the things that that the guest is the Ed Milet show. Um, but but one of the things the guest said is that you are best positioned to support somebody who you once were. Mm-hmm. And I once was a struggling mm-hmm. underwater principal. Eric and I never struggled. We were we were exemplary. Never had a snorkel. Yeah. I'm sure. I'm, yeah, yeah. You guys, you guys, you guys were obviously you know much much better than Ben was I. Um. The farther away I get from the principalship, the better I was, Darren. Just clear. <laughs> oh yeah, boy. I, I hear you on that one too. Well, remember, I'm the recovering high school principal, and I always will be. It's still the greatest job I think uh, in any district. It's also the hardest job in any district, but. Um, I look at five years from now, and, and certainly I want our brand to be synonymous with excellence and expertise in school leadership. But I also have this neonatal beginning of a project uh, that, that we're going to be calling the Principal's Academy, that in five years, we want that to be the absolute you know, best thing on the market for supporting and growing early careers. So, you know, year one through five principles mm. to help them be their very best. You know, I, I know we're, we're not going to have time to get to it, but I'm going to hit it really fast. You look at, you look at the principal pipeline right now, mm. and there's always been a teacher to principal pipeline and people move through it at their own pace, but there's kind of a common pace that people go through it. Right now, people are shooting through the principal pipeline at warp speed. And it's partially because there's a vacuum on one end, principals leaving or principals becoming soups because soups are leaving, that kind of thing. Um, but what what that re- results in is you have principals who are stepping into roles who aren't prepared 
not only to be principals, but they're not prepared to support their APs. They're not prepared to grow their 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 teachers um, and that type of thing. And that's the work through the Principals Academy that we want to be able to do so that our principals not only can experience joy in their job and love their job, but help others experience success and love their jobs as well. I mean, that's that's how we at Road to Awesome are going to do everything we can to impact every kid we could possibly impact. So that's us Darren, in five years. Darren, I love that. I love that Principals Academy piece. That That's that's beautiful. Um, and it, and Bowles' recollection of himself in the principalship sort of reminds me of Uncle Rico in Napoleon Dynamite in the 80s. So there you go, Bowles. Hey, Bowles, now's the time to work your magic as we look at the wrap-up. Uh, what's your uh, kind of nutshell for us today? Well, I'm, I'm going to do my best, EP. Uh, I know it appeared that I wasn't listening, but I actually took a full slate of notes here, um, <laughs> providing some bad podcast uh, props here. Those are visual. You can't see them. Um, so I guess whether I did or whether I didn't. Um, really want to start with with Darren's three pillars, which I think are amazing in terms of his business mission, but also in his personal life. You know, Wouldn't we all be better off if we could just focus on what we can control? Uh, we would thrive if we worked to lift others up and love the fact that we're changing the world one conversation at a time. It certainly gives us purpose for what we did here today. Um, uh, kind of in the macro, uh, what I took away was competing priorities keep us from our core business and our core business is the people business. Uh, I loved what Darren said. I think every vice principal and principal worth their salt ultimately figures this out. Discipline, particularly student discipline, but also discipline of uh, adults because you get to do both in that chair uh, is ultimately all about relationships. If we're going to change behavior, if behavior needs correcting, it can it can much better be done if there's a if there's a relationship uh, in the middle of that uh, process. Um, catching folks doing the right thing as opposed to doing the wrong thing. I mean, it's playbook right out of PBIS, something else we didn't learn in principal school. And Darren came to that intuitively. I think many of us come to some of these research-based scenarios that make such a big difference in the work that we do uh, through intuition, not necessarily through, uh, we find the research to corroborate it later. Because one of the other things Darren says is what we look for is what we find. So help me. When we think about school goals, big school goals, what do we value here? Is there congruence between what the leader values and what the staff value, what the student value, what the what the families value, um, and that all people need to be see, heard, and loved? Love the fact that culture and the curation of culture is not in the job description. Probably should be HR professionals looking uh, listening to this show. Um, and, and really what I took away from that is culture is the straw that stirs the drink, or as Greg Benner would have said in another podcast, culture isn't another thing on the plate. Uh, it is the plate. Um, love the reinforcing message that times are tough and you're not alone. Absolutely fantastic blog that uh, Darren wrote in an open letter to uh, principals. Firefighters are not leaders. You got to take care of yourself. Pete Hall did a wonderful job of talking about that in a, in a prior episode. Um, and spending time and getting to actually know your staff. And what I took away again on the macro, kind of trying to book in this uh, with two kind of big macro pieces is misspent and competing priorities keep us from our core business, which again is the people business. So I would ask you, Darren, how do, how do we do? Man, I think you crushed that. Um, that's that's really good. I mean, I, I guess I didn't realize I said that many good things, but that's, that's pretty good. <laughs> very, very well done. It's hard to actually see that in action. You know, I listened to the podcast. I love the wrap up. It's so good. But to actually like experience it 
watching that. That's that's fantastic, man. I'll give you an A on that. <laughs> well, hey, blind squirrel that's finds first, a nut. That's your first A on the podcast, Bowles. Look at that. That's Fire my works. first A period, EP. Yeah, well, you know. Let's talk Darren, undergraduate GPA offline. <laughs> Darren, uh, so anything else that you'd like to add that we didn't hit on there? Man, I don't know. I, I think you guys hit it all. I, I think maybe just to reinforce it, you know, everything that we do as leaders, everything that, that we do as educators, it just comes back to people. And, mm-hmm. you know, if as we go through this, you know, current school year, or, you know, even if you're listening to this a year from now and you're, you know, you're in the next school year, if you can just just do one thing and, and that's find a way to get yourself up, you know, on the balcony, you know, get yourself up, you know, 25 foot view and just check yourself every now and again. This this was one of the most important things for me as a principal. And I literally would go to the balcony overlooking the athletic arena. There's a whole story behind it. It's in the book. I won't tell it now, but go stand on the balcony and check in on how you doing on those things you value. Because, you know, it, when you when you step up there and you get yourself out of the weeds for a moment and you kind of check back in on those things that are important to you, you're checking on the progress of your culture in your school. You're checking on the progress of what's happening in your school and ultimately in your community because your schools drive your community. So mm-hmm. that to me, that's truly a leader is somebody who's willing to take that step up, see how we're doing, take a temperature check and then get right back in the fray and help everybody get where they need to be. Darren, I wish that every young leader could hear those uh, messages. I think that would be fantastic. Thanks again for being on the show. We appreciate so much your wisdom and the stuff that you have to say that I think will make us better people and make our education system better. So this has been another episode of Outliers in Education. You can get this podcast any place you get all your podcasts. And you can also check us out at our website at effectiveness.org. you'd like to find out how to gather the data you need to help drive positive change in your school or district, take a moment to visit CEE, the Center for Educational Effectiveness, at effectiveness.org. Better data, better decisions, better schools. Effectiveness.org.